Hey, everybody, we're talking to Tara Stubbins today. What an amazing woman. She is a master of lifestyle and time management coaching with a rich history of working alongside celebrities for over 20 years. She has some incredible stories from her adventures on the road, learning from the very best. She's not only an expert in her field, but also a great new friend of mine. You don't want to miss this incredible conversation. Welcome to The Last 10%. Your host, Dallas Burnett, dives into incredible conversations that will inspire you to finish well and finish strong. Listen as guests share their journeys and valuable advice on living in the last 10%. If you are a leader, a coach, a business owner, or someone looking to level up, you are in the right place. Remember, you can give 90% effort and make it a long way. But it's finding out how to unlock the last 10% that makes all the difference in your life, your relationships, and your work. Now, here's Dallas. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dallas Burnett sitting in my 1905 Koch Brothers Barber Chair in Thrive Studios. But more importantly, we have a great guest today. She's a seasoned expert in lifestyle and time management. Tara Stubbins joins us with her incredible experiences with two decades on the road with celebrities like Mick Jagger. Are you kidding me? Mick Jagger? You hung out with Mick Jagger? All right, we've got to learn from her experiences. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. What an intro. Like, is everyone up and dancing? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we like having fun on the last 10% for sure. I love it. It's like a massive rock concert bringing me back to my roots. I love it. <laughs> well, now we've got to know because you have had, you just had some tremendous experiences and seeing so many things on the road, hanging out with all these celebrities. And so we're real excited to hear some of your experiences. But first, I just thought that everybody would enjoy this, this little short story because you really did hang out with Mick Jagger. And it's not like it was just just at a concert. He actually really helped you out a little bit. So tell us your Mick Jagger story. He did. So a little bit of backstory. I have been honored and blessed in life and have been able to work alongside some amazing people. And one of them has been Mick Jagger. I spent eight years on the road with him as his personal and executive assistant traveling wow. everywhere he went for those big, massive rock and roll shows. Nice. And it's actually really interesting. So the first kind of world tour I did with him, I was actually engaged at the time. And my now husband, so not the person I was engaged to, but somebody different, was also out on the Rolling Stones tour. He was in charge of the lighting, running the light shows and designing it. So we, and he was actually married at the time and we knew each other. We like everyone on the crew knows each other. We were friendly. The tour ended. We went our separate ways. I went off and did another small tour. Actually, he went off and did a Barney tour, which I find hilarious <laughs> going from the Rolling Stones to Barney. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> right? that's awesome. And they need lighting too, I guess. And then we, I ended up not getting married, calling off the engagement. And wow. on the Barney tour, he actually ended up getting a divorce. 
And we both came back together. Most of the crew came back together on the next Stones tour. And apparently I was not the cheery, happy person that you see today. I was pretty cranky at the time. And there was this one instance, (laughs) we were in San Francisco, actually. And usually when they did two shows back to back, so night after one night after the next, we would do a big party at the after the first show backstage because we didn't have to like load out the show and move on to the next city. We were all just staying there. So we had this massive party and I had to organize it and it was a little bit last minute and Mick kept changing his mind on what he wanted. He wanted clam bakes and then he didn't want them and all of these things. So I was extremely frustrated and cranky. And all I wanted to do was just go home, back to the hotel and go to sleep. And so we were at the party and I was just making sure everything was okay. And I was going to get ready to leave. And Mick comes up to me and he's, you're really cranky. Come with me. And he grabbed my hand and he walked me through the party and he brought me up to Greg and he was like, you're really cranky too. You're both cranky. Figure it out. And that was 18 years ago. I love that. That's so awesome. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you figured it out. 18 yep. years ago, they figured it out. Figured wow. It out. Yep. What a story. I, that's amazing that you spent so much time with them on tour and that particular, like Mick Jagger in particular, like, I mean, you see rock bands, you see rock artists and they kind of go and some of them have long, short careers and some of them have very long careers, but then it's like the Rolling Stones. They're on another level. It's, it's, it's fascinating when you were with him and around them for that period of time and seeing how they approach, I don't know, like touring and and life that had to be a tremendous there there had to be some tremendous things that you picked up from that it's true i do laugh at the tour the rolling stones tour that's coming out right now which is sponsored by aarp which i find (laughs) so fitting and wonderful because they are (laughs) in that age where it should be i'm not on that tour i'm actually happy i'm not but i just find it hilarious every time i think about it um but it's true no (laughs) When I was, I just want to tell a little story for a second that will actually answer your question. When I was younger, I had, really young, I had a shirt that said, remember me, I'm going to be a star. And I wore that shirt everywhere to the point where it disintegrated. I wish I still had it today. (laughs) But the problem way back then was that I really wanted to, I really thought that being a star in my like very young brain was being a rock star up there on the stage, playing guitar, singing, dancing, being that rock star performer. I didn't really understand that there was anything else in the world that was a star. And I have very little musical talent. I do have this guitar behind me. As I said before, I sound like a dying animal when I play it. I'm not very good at it, but I I try. (laughs) Um, I definitely can't sing. I definitely can't dance. I thought that I was just going to be like, I'm never going to achieve any of my dreams. I might as well just throw them out. I'm never going to make anything of my life. That sucks type thing. But for some reason, and I tell this story a lot, 
for some reason, I held on to a little bit of that dream. I didn't throw it all away. I held on to a very small percentage of it. And I would forget about it for days, weeks, months at a time until those like pivotal moments in life came up where you had to make those decisions. And I would be like, oh, yeah, I wanted to be a star. Oh, I still can't sing and I still can't dance. But yeah, like maybe there's something here. And it's how I was able to form my life into working with celebrities. So maybe I wasn't like that the celebrity on the stage, but I was still surrounded by them for pretty much all of my working career. And because I was never that person up on the stage singing, dancing, performing, I was always fascinated as to, like, why them? Why Mick Jagger? Why Drake? Why Lady Gaga? Why are these people celebrities and successful and not the other person on the, on the street? So yeah. when I've been when I've been working with them, I've always been like a sponge, if you will, of like why why them? What are they doing in their day to day? What are they doing to become this huge success? So working with people again like Mick Jagger, I was obviously helping him throughout his day to day, but I was also a sponge. And what was he doing exactly on a day to day to? make a Mick Jagger to sustain again not a lot of bands have been in the public eye for 60 years 60 plus years with the stones so what actually were they doing to make this possible wow wow that's awesome I love that story I love your perspective too and I love that I love how you how you never lost your kind of original desire and you're like the t-shirt, I want the t-shirt. You, you, even though the t-shirt wore out that you just said, okay, maybe my definition of what a star is was inaccurate, but that doesn't necessarily mean I don't want to be a star. I just, maybe that there's more to it than what I originally intended and, or thought about. I think that's really cool. And I think that's, I think that's really neat how you continually pursued that that venue of celebrities and music and all these things, you were a part of something really big, much bigger than you, but it was, you were adding to it and creating in it. So now Tara, you've been, you have a really neat story working with all these celebrities and going on tour and Mick Jagger and you're getting introduced to your husband, but that's really different than what you're doing now. You're, you've moved into this kind of time management expert and helping lifestyle in terms of coaching and things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about the transition? You own your own business now. Tell us the transition, how you go from celebrity, rock star, touring people to time management and lifestyle coaching. Yeah. So there was this one time, not with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, with another musician that I can't name names, but we were in Shanghai, actually. And one of his crazy requests every time he traveled was that he wanted his toothbrush to be sanitized in a hotel industrial dishwasher. So every time the toothbrush came out of the suitcase, (laughs) I had to take it downstairs and to the back of house and 
put it through the dishwasher. And people- Wait a minute. It was this musician's, it was their, per- this person's like literal, it was their toothbrush. It wasn't like you went out and got a toothbrush and sanitized it. It was their toothbrush and you had to, yeah. oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> so I get asked all the time, one, why I didn't just run it under hot water and pretend that I put it under the dish in the dishwasher. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, my, I'm too honest. So I didn't. Yeah. And then I always get asked why I didn't just buy a new toothbrush or an electric That's toothbrush. Just... So I have no idea. I learned a very long time ago that you never ask rock stars why. They do some crazy stuff that you just don't want to know. So I don't ask why. I just do. But yeah, so this crazy request, every hotel we would go to, I would have to go and have this discussion with the back of house staff. And a lot of times we had stayed in the hotels before, so they knew we were coming. They recognized me. They were like, here comes this crazy lady with the toothbrush again. (laughs) (laughs) It was fine. Um, But... (laughs) We were in Shanghai and we'd never stayed in this hotel before. It was fairly new, very expensive, like presidential suites, the whole thing. And I was trying to communicate in a language that I didn't speak. They didn't speak English, that I had to put this toothbrush in their dishwasher. And they were looking at me like I had three heads. It was probably one of the most awkward experiences of my life. And I remember standing there with this toothbrush in hand thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. And that was my like, (laughs) aha moment where I realized that I still absolutely love helping people. I believe that I've been put on this planet to help others succeed. And I'm still fascinated with success and building success and what brings about success. But I just wanted to help more than one crazy rock star at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I love your expand. You you, at that moment with the toothbrush, it just expanded your horizons. No longer am I just working with one crazy rock star. I can expand. I love that. You know, though, I've heard the stories about I want all the certain colored M&Ms taken out of the bag. And I need, but I've never, man, I've never heard I want my toothbrush sanitized in the hotel dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's a good oh. one. A fun, another fun one that I had to do on the road with the stones is Jagger always wanted his hotel rooms painted a very specific shade of beige. So every city, every hotel room he stayed in, whether it was one night or two or three, he was never in a hotel room for very long. It had to be painted this very specific shade of beige. So we had to go in a few days early, get the painters, do the painting. It couldn't smell like paint when he was in it. And there was this time we were in what was then Mumbai. I don't think it's Mumbai anymore. And we were in a very old hotel and it had like ancient wallpaper, ancient gold leaf wallpaper on the walls. And we took that sucker down and we painted the walls beige and then we put it back up. But yeah. (laughs) So he is serious about some beige walls. He's serious about his beige. When I moved into my new home a couple of years ago, all the walls were just like construction grade beige. And I was like, oh no, this is going. I have PTSD. We are not having beige in the house. It was the first thing. Put up some reds or greens or yellow. It doesn't matter. 
Let's go. Just not beige. I've had enough beige. No beige. Oh. No beige. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, so I had that aha moment and I finished the tour. I came off the road and I was like, I'm going to open a business where I can help more than one rock star at a time. And because I had the experience as like a personal assistant, I opened up a personal concierge business where I was helping high net worth, high profile individuals basically run their households in a way that I was running their, their lives out on the road, basically. Wow. That business is actually still in business today. I still help a number of celebrity clients. I opened it in 2007. And again, with absolutely zero business background at all, I had no idea what I was doing. And I actually remember Back in 2007, the thing to do was put advertisements in the yellow pages. And I, yeah, it was that long ago. <laughs> and um, I remember saving up so much money so I could put this like big ad in the yellow pages. Mm. One, not thinking that like my target market is extre extremely wealthy people. They're not opening the yellow pages and <laughs> calling someone they find. <laughs> but anyway, and two, I remember the day the Yellow Pages got delivered, I sat by my phone, a landline at that point, nice. I sat by it and I waited because I thought the Yellow Pages have been delivered. I'm going to get so many calls now. The calls, they're um, just going to start rolling in. <laughs> yeah. I did not get one call from that Yellow Pages <laughs> ad. <laughs> <laughs> not that day, not any day. Oh. But yeah, it was a big learning experience for yeah. me because again, like zero, like I was a dirty roadie. I had no idea yeah. what I was doing, but I did these experiments. I wasn't shy. <laughs> I jumped all in and I learned from what I failed at yeah. by able to do what was right. And there was this one moment where I always craved like a network, a community of people like me, because there wasn't really the startup community or entrepreneur community as there is now. There was this like one guy who did lunch and learns at like city hall. It was very weird <laughs> to like mortgage brokers. <laughs> so I was like, I really want people like me. And when the first co-working space opened, I was like the second person to join. Wow. I volunteered at the front desk. I like ran their events. I just immersed myself into the community because I was just so excited to be part and surrounded by other people like me. They did exist and they all became my friends. And I started realizing that they would, a lot of people would get to a certain point of success and they couldn't get over that hump. And I started realizing that it was because they didn't have that strategic support behind them. Because of my assistant background, I realized that they really needed not their sister or cousin helping them with bookkeeping tasks, but they really needed that strategic support. So that's mm. where the idea of the second business, a fractional executive assistant business came in where I wanted to really just help people in my community with executive assistant support and really strategic support be able to like get over that hump of success and really everything that I've done ever really since like way back in my first career my first job has always been like how can I just help people be better at 
their dreams and achieve their goals mm. and take like those sponge moments and really be able to help others with it. Oh, that is so good. I love your progression. Then thank you for just being honest. I love it where you're just like, man, I saved up and just took a swing at the yellow pages and then just, man, it didn't work out, but it was a great education. And that's, that's how we do it. That's entrepreneurship. And so I love how you were feeling the need and how you saw that and you wanted to help help establish what you were doing on the road with people in their lives. And now with the fractional executive system, I love how you talk about strategic support. And I love how you talk about having seen it where a lot of people, especially in the community that you are a part of in the entrepreneurial community, never seem to achieve their goals. And I think that is a true thing. I think if you are, if you're, if you're a startup, if you're an entrepreneur, your goal is not to be the, it's so easy because you're everything to everybody in the beginning. But your goal is to move through that about as fast as you can and then start building your team. And, uh, and you're a big part of that with your organization. That sound means it's time to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. If you lead an organization or a team, one of the biggest challenges you face is developing your people. Think Move Thrive is here to help you on your journey. We've developed a coaching system that integrates into your team or organization to consistently develop your employees build trust, gain valuable feedback, and increase accountability. Leadership retreats and summits are great. We even build those custom for our clients, but they're only part of the solution because they lack consistency. Our one-on-one -on -one coaching app is the missing piece in your employee development program. We help new leaders get to know their teams. We help technical managers be more relational, and we help ensure that your relational rock stars stay organized. We developed the system for a client, and it was so successful, we created the app to help more organizations develop their people, build trust, engagement, and you guessed it, performance. For more information, go to thinkmovethrive.com to learn more about the one-on-one -on -one coaching system and start developing your team today. Back to the show. I was just talking, and because it's so important, we were talking to a client today, and we were just talking to them, and they are trying to construct around there, they have different operations. They're growing at different levels and different ways. And so they're literally looking at it from the standpoint of how you manage your time. And they would say, okay, you're at this stage. If you're doing these types of activities and you're splitting up your time this way, you're like the first stage. And then just looking at it through the lens of time, it's a really amazing. So you're very ahead of the curve on that when you're realizing that people, how they manage their time and how supported they are so that they can delegate these things off is super huge. Now, I, I want to talk. So we're just after the first of the year. And I know that we've got a lot of listeners that's made because they're listeners of the last 10%. They are striving for excellence in their life. They have probably created or will create or in the process of creating some goals. And they're probably looking at their year saying, what's my 2024 looking like? Now, we have you as a time management expert, lifestyle management expert. You are helping some really high net worth individuals manage their life. So tell us a little bit about your approach and what are some things that you feel like we could use in this new year as it relates to time management? I have so many thoughts. How many hours do you have? <laughs> 
I love it. That's awesome. That's so I'll awesome. take I'll take all your time on time management. <laughs> I'm very passionate about a few aspects of time management. One is obviously we had the new year. People are setting resolutions, but people are already probably failing at their resolutions right mm. now. Mm-hmm. And I'm a massive believer in setting goals and setting stretch goals. I find those very important, not just an easy goal that we can hit. But I'm not a believer in resolutions. There have like an all or nothing mentality. You always set too many of them. You have unrealistic expectations that you're going to be able to do all these things from day one for 365 days a year. External influences come in that start changing the way you can do things. There are just so many reasons why resolutions beat us up as human beings, really. But setting a goal. Let me jump in. So how do you, how would you describe the difference? Because I hear what you're saying. I know where you're going, but how would you describe the difference in, because you're for goal setting, but you're not really about resolution making. So tell us how you would describe the difference between those two. Yeah. So I believe personally, when people set resolutions, they set all these things to get to an end goal. So their resolution Mm -hmm. isn't say, I want to make a million dollars. It's I sure I want to make a million dollars at the end of the year, but I also want to walk 10,000 steps a day. I want to read 20 pages. I want to wake up at 5am. I want to drink this water. I want to make a hundred sales calls a day. So they set all these things, which they think are going to actually help them get to this end goal or their end like resolution and like their resolutions are actually like the things they're going to do on a day-to-day basis, <laughs> which I find is like great on January 1st or 2nd when you wake up, but like you're exhausted by trying to fit all those things <laughs> into your, right? Into this, your is the, this is what I res- resolve to do on in a perfect day. And that is going to last for the next 365 days. There's going to be no hiccups. No scheduled delays, no traffic jams. It's all green lights from here. And this is my perfect life and my activities. And even if I did those perfect things every day, like you said, I would be completely exhausted on the fifth day. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. It's so fun. And I, I think that. also people who set resolutions set like big goals. So, or like big, not even goals, but I'm going to live a healthier 2024. Yeah, That's yes. great. But it's really hard to like manage and track how you're going to live a healthier 2024 or 2024 is going to be the best year for my business. Great. But how is that? So I I think how we determine resolutions and qualify them is a lot different than actually setting a goal. So my goal for 2024 is to make a million dollars. Great. Mm. So what I'd like to do then is to make monthly goals or monthly habits or monthly challenges to help Mm. me get to that end goal. So million dollars at the end of the year. That's great. I'm probably not going to start the year at 83, 333, what we have to hit (laughs) thousand to get to that million, like right off the bat. It has to be crude over the years, but okay. So what are the habits that I'm going to do in January to help me set myself up for success for 20, like that end goal? Is it making sure that I wake up at 5am so I can own my own like power hour of focus? 
Great. Yes. Let's concentrate on that for January. Then mm. what are we now that we've built that habit? What are we going to do in February? Is it going to be I'm going to be determined to send 100 cold emails a day? Great. So now we're waking up at 5 a.m. and we're sending 100 cold emails a day. Okay, what are we now doing in March? So you build on the habit so you can actually yeah. create that lifestyle that you want to create. And yeah. it does so many things. I'm again, I've been this kind of sponge with these really successful people. And I've noticed that one thing that sets them apart from everyone else is that they create their own motivation. So a lot of us hmm. sit back and wait for that lightning strike to happen, for us to feel ready, for us to be 100% confident, for us to be having mm. a good day, to have the energy mm. to start something or to do something. But successful people just do it. I like to say, just do the thing, <laughs> no matter right. how they're feeling, no matter how tired they are, they have built the habit to just do it and to create their own motivation. So if you are forming a simple habit in January and you actually succeed at forming that habit, you can create your own motivation and go, okay, I did this. Now let's yes. do February. Like I got yes. this. Now I got March. Yes. And you're actually setting yourself up for success at the end of the year and actually hitting your goal rather than I'm going to walk 10,000 steps. Like you can do all of that by December, just not on yes. January 3rd. I cannot tell you how encouraging hearing you describe all those things is because it's so close. Like when we engage in coaching in our program and our scaffolding, one of the things we do is it's a monthly commitment for improvement. And we talk about it like one in 30. If I can get 1% in the next 30 days, I'm happy with that. If I can move the needle 1%. So if that's a micro movement, but if I can do that and sustain it, man, I'll take that any day over this big, massive thing that I'm just going to not be able to do in three months. I'm just going to give up and walk away from it. And another thing I love how you described, and I think that so many times we miss this, and I know I'm a big fan of goal setting too, so this is, you're speaking my language. And so I love how you talk about being able to, to really make it specific and measurable. And that's some of the things that we talk about in commitments. If you're going to commit to something, you have to be specific and you have to be able to measure it. Even if you don't, you have to be able to just to wrap your head around it. But I really liked what you talked about, even if you're specific and even if it's measurable, you got to ask yourself the questions. Tara said it. You have to say what habits are going to be required to accomplish this task. And I think that's a big area of goal setting that people overlook. And they think that if they just do something and whatever they put the goal down, they're going to get it. But they don't peel the onion just another layer down and say, no, what, is the, what does that mean? I love what you said about defining habits and routines. And we're very passionate about routines and habits, really getting your kind of head wrapped around what those things are that would help you accomplish your goal. I think that's really great. And I also love, you talked about motivation, like self-motivating. Like I, I think that's fascinating. And I, I really think that's interesting. Do you have any examples of that as, it, it, that come to mind as you think through your experiences with some of these touring musicians or celebrities or anything? Do you have any specific examples you could share with us on that? I definitely do. So I always think of, and maybe we won't share this with this particular person, but so I work with, I'm, Cana 
I'm Canadian, so I, of course, work with Drake. I think every Canadian works with Drake in some form of, yeah, some level, especially people based out of Toronto. But I like Drake, great guy. I don't know if I'm a big fan of his music, so don't tell him that. But (laughs) (laughs) don't get me fired over here. We won't. Yeah, Um, yeah. That's so funny. um, But I always think, like, why is Drake, like the most famous, like Canadian musician artist right now, is he really that much better than anybody else? And I have to say it is because of his extreme dedication and focus on like his goal and what he is doing to get to that goal. And Mm. he also runs his staff that way too. So he'll set a goal. He'll make sure Everybody knows what that goal is. And if you're not on board and striving as hard as he is or harder to help him and the team get to that goal, you're out. He has no use for you. So yes, it's a bit of tough love, but he has the like biggest focus and dedication I have ever seen to setting a goal and actually hitting it, no matter what it is. And it can be the biggest stretch goal out there. And everyone's like, you are nuts. There is no way we are going to do it. And he does because of the habits he does on a day-to-day basis. And just that self-discipline of he can be having a horrible day, not in a great mood. And everyone can say he's Drake. He has millions and billions of dollars. Like, why is he in a bad mood? But People are human. They have bad days. And it's not about the money that he throws at the problem. It's not about his staff. It really is about like the focus and determination he has to hitting those end goals and that self-discipline. I also Mm. think of athletes as well. So professional Mm. athletes, they have their end goal. Their focus is winning the gold medal, the Super Bowl, being the fastest, the strongest, whatever it is. And whatever they do on a day-to-day basis is 100% aligned with that end goal. They're Mm. focused. They spend 18 hours a day training. Now, I'm not saying that you have to work 18 hours a day to be a success. But what I am saying is that you need to make sure that whatever hours of the day that you are working, they better be aligned with your end goal. So... Again, I also like to use this example of we all know how to live a healthy lifestyle. It's not rocket science, right? Right. We all know how to eat healthy. We all know that we have to exercise a little bit. We have to drink water. Like it's, do we all do it? No, I just had a chocolate, (laughs) a piece of chocolate, like a lot of pieces of chocolate, right? (laughs) It's confession on the last 10%. I love it. The people who actually live those healthy lifestyles, they're just forming the habits that we have decided aren't necessarily something that we want to work towards in our goals, Mm. our own goals. Mm. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I think that if you're listening and you're already feeling overwhelmed and you feel bad because you're not living at that level of discipline and focus, don't miss the point. I think Tara is saying she's not saying that you need to live at the same level of focus as a major league baseball player or Drake. What she is saying though, is that the level of focus and intensity that you have towards a very clear picture of what you're trying to create definitely contributes 
to the movement in that direction and if not achievement of it. So I think that's really interesting. I do think too, I liked what you talked about his expectations for his team. And if you're coaching your team, Tara spoke about Drake and said, yes, he, the reason that his team moved towards his goal was because he had really good clarity and was, you said it, you were like, he knows what he wants and he tells everybody, this is the goal. Let's be real clear about this. You're going to help me get there. And so a lot of times as a team, if we're leading or coaching a team, when we're not getting that progress towards that, one of the reasons is that we haven't clearly defined what it is that we're supposed to be doing and going for and what each person on the team is there to do. And I think with Drake, he's got all these specialists around him. So they kind of are experts in their own field. So they know their deal, what they bring to the table. But he is the one that's, he's the only one that can tell everybody, this is what Drake wants. This is where we're going. And so that's his role in the whole picture. So I think if you're coaching and leading a team, that one of the things you can take away from what Tara just said is that we need to, if you think you've been clear, go back and be clear some more. You can't over communicate clarity to your team members. And what we're trying to do is pull them into alignment with what we're doing. We're wanting them. Now, Drake, he's a global celebrity. And so when, you know, if you want to be on his team, you have to be in alignment immediately. And sometimes you might be managing a team that's like, maybe I've got alignment or maybe I don't, but you've got to, you've got to inspire those people to come in alignment so that you can get the goal. So I think, man, I think those are great examples. Oh man, working with Drake, going, hanging out with Mick Jagger. Oh, this is fun stuff. This is good. This also, is, you've got a lot of great stories. I also want to say too, for anyone that's being over, that may seem overwhelmed. I think that we actually, as a society, complicate success and goal setting and mm. time management and daily routines. I mm. One of my biggest pet peeves is people always ask me, what celebrity morning routine do you copy for success? And <laughs> what they do isn't necessarily going to help me sure. as yes. Tara. Like I have yeah. my own life and my own goals. And I don't like it when people read like these books for massively successful CEOs and they try to like copy them and get up at 4 a.m. and play a round of yeah. or 2 a.m. and play a round of golf and <laughs> eat this. And it's these people are doing this because they have the luxury of time to yes. have these kind of crazy schedules. But when they were building their success, they actually weren't doing this. And I've mm. seen successful people, their morning routines are sure, to work out, to get up early, to eat healthy. But I've seen other really successful people whose morning routines are to sit down and smoke a cigar and <laughs> drink a bottle of Jack Daniels. There's just... Yeah, you don't see that you know? on the, the you don't see that on the cover of whatever workout magazine. Yeah. My morning routine. I'm the CEO of X Fortune 500. My morning routine is to get up, smoke a cigar and drink a bottle yeah. of Jack. That's uh hilarious but, but it's true super successful right so i yeah. think when we're trying to set and our own goals one we have to be kind to ourselves so there's not mm. going to be every single day of the year where we are going to be able to do whatever habit it is we're trying to form there's mm -hmm. we're gonna have bad days we're gonna have bad months we're gonna have bad years but as long as we're continuing as you said to move the needle a little bit on whatever that goal is i also really think that there's like we can spend too much time kind of planning for the future. So 
when I make that million dollars, I'm going to be happy or I'm going to do this. But there's all this life that we need to live now. So mm. I like to think of time management as what am I doing today so I can say that I've lived the best day that I possibly can today. Mm. Sure, it might be a hard day. Sure, I may have some angry clients or angry staff or but have I lived today the way that I set out to live today? That mm. type of thing. Yeah. Because yeah, life's too short to be like, when I make that million dollars, I'm going to be happy. When I build that big business, I'm going to be happy. When I have this big team, then I'm going to be happy. Mm. You're just going to wish your life away. I think that is so much wisdom coming from someone who has been around all of that, who has seen behind the curtain and see what high net worth individuals on a global scale, you know, how they live. And then to be able to come back and say, hey, yeah, by the way, if you can live your day the way you want to live it, that's success. And I think that's very important. I do think that when you're talking about that, it's very important that we don't define success like you are saying. On, we don't define our success on someone else's success. We don't put ours on them. So their success is their success. That doesn't necessarily ha have to be ours as well. So if somebody else goes and make, makes a million dollars or is running a company or is a rock star, it's kind of like you were saying before, star, I had this in my mind, but that word was bigger than what I thought it was. And I think some people have a small definition. It's a very small window of success and they define success a very narrow way. And they point to somebody that they think is what they want. I want this, I want fame or I want whatever money. And that is their small definition of success. But I think what you're saying, I think very wisely is you need to expand that definition a little bit and really turn it around and look in the mirror and say, what does that look like? What does that look like to me? And I think that yeah. helps you live a better life. So I, I agree, man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. I need to ask you, we, because that kind of gets into what I, my next question is. We talked a little bit about the focus and intensity and how to set goals. And man, that's really good stuff. I think everybody's going to really enjoy that. But what we haven't talked about is any common mistakes. Actually, you mentioned one before, people over setting too big, maybe setting resolutions that lack clarity. But is there any other time management mistakes or lifestyle management mistakes that you see people make that they could correct? Yeah. So we just mentioned one and that's trying to copy other people. So mm. your life is definitely not other people. I always want another one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, I'm the master of multitasking. I can get so many things done today. People also define time management. I think not necessarily in the correct way. A lot of the mm -hmm. time when I give like keynote speeches, I'll ask the audience what their definition of time management is. And some people say getting to inbox zero. And I'm like, no, this is pre-COVID <laughs> when, so pre -pre when everybody was working in the office, I would always get like shaving five minutes off of my daily commute. And I'm like, no, it was still not time uh, management. Time management isn't necessarily about how much you can fit in the day. It's about, mm. again, like the quality of things that you are fitting mm. in the day. And I get pushback on that too, because people say, I don't run my own business. I work for somebody else and my tasks are assigned to me. Same with me. I do run my own business, but I have clients. <laughs> I have yeah. very pushy clients. So <laughs> I will set my day. <laughs> I will set my day um, on these are the things I want to get done. And some days I don't get those done. 
But again, going back, and does that mean I'm bad at time management? No, not necessarily. But it's going back to have I lived the day that I want to live? Have I worked incredibly hard for my goal or my end goal as hard as I can? Yes. Have I been able to surround myself with somebody that I love and care about, <laughs> even if sometimes it's just my cat? Yes, I can. So whatever those like really like non-negotiables are, even if you can get like a quick moment in throughout the day. So I think like read being able to redefine time management. So not multitasking. Again, a lot of people think that they're these masters of multitaskers, but there really is no such thing as multitasking. Mm, the I human agree. brain can't think of more than one thing at a time anyway. So you are actually context switching when you are multitasking. So you're actually wasting time and you're making yourself exhausted. So you have yes. these like business owners who are trying to do this and then going over here and doing this and then taking a meeting and answering calls and at the end of the day, like if you think about what did I actually do, it's actually hard to say I actually accomplished yeah. this because you're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So place. that's wow. definitely something that I think people can redefine time management <laughs> and mm -hmm. make sure that you're not multitasking. Set goals that are and routines or whatever it is that are you and your own. So people will mm. always ask me like what I think about affirmations. And I think that they're great. If you want to yell affirmations or say affirmations to yourself to get you motivated and to get you to do those tasks, then please do. I'm not anyone yeah. to sit here and say they don't work. <laughs> if you want to power pose in front of the mirror every morning to get yourself, whatever it is, do it. Whatever if you want it to takes. paint your hotel, yeah, if you want to paint your hotel rooms beige, Please, oh, or your room's wow. beige, please go ahead and do it. If that's what motivates you to get the job done, there shouldn't be any of Tara says you shouldn't have affirmations yeah. or Mick Jagger doesn't do affirmations, so I'm not going to. It's all about what mm. can motivate you to achieve the next step. Man, this is so good. Oh, you are killing it. I love it. I want to go to back to what you were saying about time management and redefining it because I think time management in so many contexts is defined on how you can better. It's like Tetris, right? It's almost like you're like, how can I fit these blocks together better so that I can get more blocks on a page? And it's not, not exactly. That's not because the point is you could get twice as many blocks on the page and get half as much done that's worth doing. And I think what I love about what you're saying in redefining our perspective on managing our time is it really comes back to your purpose and priority. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And what are the most important things that need to get done so that I'm moving towards that goal or that creating the life that I want to have? And I think that then you can actually get less, quote unquote, Tetris blocks on your on your board, but the ones that do really are meaningful and, and are more weighty. I think when you get to the end of the day and you feel like, man, this is a day that just feels good. It's just a lot of meaning and purposes. And I love how you redefine that. And I loved how you talk about switching too. I think that's a big thing. I really do. I think it's a fallacy of modern culture that we think that it's, it's almost like everything has to be better, faster, quicker, squeeze more in hurry and that means we have to be able to multitask it's just like mm, no. and you were managing like rock stars on tour are you kidding me if there's anybody that has to handle that kind of stuff you would have seen that so for you to come back and say this is what i've learned that's counterintuitive you would think that i'm the best 
multitasker in the world. I was able to be on tour with the Rolling Stones. And you're like, no, I just appreciate your time and spending time and giving your just really a lot of wisdom and insight. Tell us a little bit about your current company. So this is your second company that you started. So you've done pretty good for not having any business experience. You're on your second business. Tell us a little bit about your company now and how people can get in touch with you if they like what your company's doing or they want to, they want to contact you for a keynote or anything like that. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so takeiteasygroup.com. There's contact forms and I'm on social, um, Tara's Time everywhere and Tara Stubbins on LinkedIn as well. You can Google me. I have an interesting spelling name so you can find me as well, Tara with two R's. But yeah, no, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that I am extremely passionate about helping others achieve their goals. So mm. it wasn't something that I had when I had this random aha moment moment with the toothbrush I had a goal but I just didn't know what to do with it and I'm a huge believer in anybody can achieve their goals no matter what stage you are in life what age you are how much money you have what your history is really any your physical appearance and what you can do anybody can achieve goals that they set out to do. And it really is just a few simple steps of creating your own motivation and really that self-discipline. And I like Mm. to have fun and share those kind of celebrity stories of what I've learned about how they have become a success. But yeah, that's just my biggest mission in life is really being able to help others achieve their goals, just like I've been able to do. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that's exactly why we had you on the last 10%. And that's exactly why I know all the listeners just have had the best time listening and absorbing all the wisdom that you've been sharing with us today. Now, we always end the show by asking our guest if there was someone they would like to hear on the last 10%. So it could be somebody you know, it could be somebody famous. Since you know famous people, it might be both. (laughs) But is there anybody (laughs) that you would like to hear on the last 10%? I am. Probably a lot of your listeners are on the Hormozy train these days. Mm -hmm. Alex and his wife, Layla, I believe that they are really genuine people. I've had the opportunity to meet them very quickly. But I believe that they are on the right track. And I really love that they share a lot of what goes right and what goes wrong. And they're not really trying to fake that they live this big, elaborate, wonderful life. And again, they have that same mission of anyone can achieve their goals. And it is a simple process if you follow through it. So either of them, I think, would be an awesome uh, next podcast. Oh, okay. All right. We'll have to we'll have to reach out and see if we can uh, we can get an introduction to the Hermoses. That's that's a good nobody said that yet. I like that. That would be a good one. We would enjoy that interview. Thank you again. Tara for being on the show the last 10% and thank you for all your wisdom and thank you uh, thank you for your just great advice and I know that in 2024 it's going to be very impactful for our listeners and leaders and you guys check her out in the show notes and we will uh, we'll see if we can have you back on again sometime I would love that thank you so much thanks for joining us today on the last 10% we hope you found today's content engaging and encouraging Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us so others will join our community. We release new episodes every other Tuesday. 
This podcast can be found globally in any podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Subscribe today. Plus, visit our website, join our email list, and discover resources and info for your business and team at thinkmovethrive.com. Thanks again for listening to The Last 10%.